When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show, everyone. Gotta be talking about the players that I am saying stay far, far away from. You know, I I, I honestly thought that Antonio Brown was going to be on this list. I ended up having to put him in my value list because when I started taking a look at some of the players and the rankings for this upcoming year, I realized I hated a ton of players. <laughs> Uh, this should be an interesting year. I, I think there are a lot of bust potential players in the draft this year. Uh, but you know what? Let, 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 let's, let's dive into it because, uh, uh, we're, 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 we're going to get, we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, so first up, one of the biggest worries that I have in fantasy this year is Michael Thomas, who was the most consistent player in fantasy the last two years. Here's 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 my bugaboo with Michael Thomas, and no one is talking about this. Drew Brees, in the second half of the season, regressed so mightily as a passer that it was the Michael Thomas show that was bailing out Brees. But as the arm strength of Brees was deteriorating in the second half of the year, it was getting harder and harder for Michael Thomas to make the same plays he was in the first half of the year. That's why when you saw in this in the in the NFC Championship game, as much as we complain about how blatant the missed pass interference call was, the reason why the Saints lost that game was Drew Brees couldn't find ways of getting the ball to anyone else, including Michael Thomas, because you know, the Rams were doing a very good job of blanketing Michael Thomas. Breeze couldn't, couldn't pinpoint the ball, and he was having a tro- uh, trouble getting the ball out to some of the other wide receivers. Now, you could say Breeze might have been banged up and wearing down towards the end of the year, but I don't know. It, you know, it, it's a, when you still have some of these other wide receiver targets, like uh, Devontae Adams... DeAndre Hopkins, Julio, it's a little bit hard paying up the premium because I'm seeing Michael Thomas being ranked on some boards as the number one wide receiver. I don't know about that. I, you know, am I going to pass up on Michael Thomas in the second round? No. But if you're telling me that Michael Thomas is a lock in the first round, I, I'm I'm going to dispute that. Uh, you got you got Odell available. You got uh, even if you're going to reach for Mike Evans, I just think that there's a worry here uh, 
with Michael Thomas, especially in standard leagues where you're not getting points per reception, I think there's a very real concern with Drew Brees' regression uh, potential this year because, again, Drew Brees is, is up there in age. He's 39. You know, it's not a spring chicken. There's a real chance that the Saints offense regresses uh, in terms of passing efficiency and that it becomes a lot more run-based. And believe me, I I didn't really get to talk about him enough uh, in uh, some of my other podcasts, but Latavius Murray, I believe, is an upgrade over Mark Ingram. And, you know, being able to have... I again, I think a faster back to hit the hole than Mark Ingram, I think brings more dy- uh, uh, dy- uh, more dynamic run game to the Saints offense. Yes, should that help with play action with Breeze? Yeah, but th- th- play action is not necessarily the forte of Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas is more going across the, uh, the middle of the field and getting uh, catches in traffic over uh, defenders and. Again, I have some concerns with Drew Brees' passing. Uh, I'm just saying. Not saying not to pick him at all, but I would say be wary of value not being returned. Uh, Another player, Todd Gurley. Still going way too early in drafts. I'm seeing it. I'm still seeing people taking Todd Gurley in the first round. The Rams have outlined their game plan this year. Keep Todd Gurley as healthy as possible for the playoffs. They want to limit his uh, position by at least 30 to 35%. So that means Todd Gurley is only going to be playing about 60% of snaps instead of the 85 to 90% he was last year because they're worried about his arthritic knee. And as someone with arthritic knees, I can tell you arthritic knees don't necessarily get better. It's a long and difficult process. So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased from personal experience, but it's it doesn't really play out all too well unless you go more extreme routes in terms of medical procedures when you have genuine arthritis in the knee. It, you know, th- there's there's no magic cure-all bullet to address that, especially in a position as difficult as NFL running back. So, Again, Todd Gurley being taken way too early in drafts. Uh, When he's being taken in the back end of the first round, I shake my head because I've seen enough uh, uh, draft results to tell me that, you know, people are not taking the Rams at their word. They're thinking that the Rams are going to back off of this. The Rams' goal is to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously most teams, uh, the goal is to win the Super Bowl, but the Rams legitimately believe that they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to do everything possible to keep Todd Gurley healthy, and they're going to use everyone else on the offense to that extent to keep Todd Gurley fresh. So Todd Gurley, as you knew him, is not going to be the same regular season Todd Gurley. And if you've been paying attention, Todd Gurley does not give a damn about fantasy football fantasy owners. He he, he even trolls fantasy owners about when they complain about him taking himself out of the game right before he, uh, the Rams are about to score a touchdown. He doesn't care. So I don't think Todd Gurley is going to be even remotely concerned uh, about the possibility of being taken out of the game uh, as the Rams are in goal line situations because I think that's a very real possibility. 
Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are in there for the specific purpose of taking the goal line carry so that Todd Gurley doesn't take those uh, uh, blows. That, to me, signals you have a very real possibility that Todd Gurley does not hit double-digit touchdowns this year. No way does that make him even a uh, running back one option, in my opinion. I think he's running back two this year. That means Todd Gurley should not be taken until the back end of the second round, if not round three. He's going in the back end of the first round, early second round. Sorry. I don't see how the value gets returned there. Uh, I I think the Rams have been more than upfront about how they want to handle Todd Gurley this year. People are just not reading the headwinds. Another guy to be wary of, Adam Thielen. And here's the thing with Thielen. It's not that I dislike Thielen. It's the fact that I think people are sleeping on Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, in the second half of the year, once the Vikings shifted more to a run, uh, running-based offense, the passing lanes opened up more for Stefan Diggs going across the middle of the field. They weren't nearly as... Uh, focused on going down the field with uh, bombs to Thielen. So Thielen's production dropped off precipitously. So to me, yes, I get it why you're taking Adam Thielen in the second round. I just think that from a valuation standpoint, there are other wide receivers in the second round you should be targeting. So if you take Adam Thielen in the third round, that's proper valuation. But if you're going earlier than that, I don't know if you're going to get that value. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. Moving on, we got Damian Williams, and this is the wide uh, this is the running back uh, that honestly is going to get outscored by a ton of wide receivers. I think this is the running back one with the the only other running back I think has more volatility than Damian Williams. Uh, to be honest, are Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry, and I hate all three of them. <laughs> uh, so let's tackle Damian Williams first. The Chiefs offense is dynamic enough that they don't really need anyone to be the lead running back. So when the Chiefs signed Carlos Hyde, I looked at that and said, huh, that's going to be a timeshare. I don't think Damian Williams has necessarily the talent level to prove that he's going to be the primary running back for the Chiefs this year. I think it's going to be a strict timeshare with Carlos Hyde and whoever gets uh, uh, the most amount of production is going to be the the back that gets the true touches. I I don't really see this being any advancing any more to a 70-30 split. I think that's the best case scenario. More likely, you're probably going to see 60-40. And if it's 60-40, that's running back two. Like the only guy who can uh, be efficient enough offensively to survive a, a 70 30 split is Alvin Kamara. Damian Williams does not get that benefit of the doubt. So don't like Damian Williams from that respect. Then when we're talking about Leonard Fournette, I hate Leonard Fournette because of the fact that Leonard Fournette had enough issues in that Jags locker room and front uh, and with the front office that I could easily see the Jags 
just saying, you know what? He's been more troubled than he's worth. Let's bench this guy and see if we can trade him mid-year. Or cut him. I could easily see the Jags moving on from Leonard Fournette and disciplining him by week six. That's way too much risk to be taking on when I'm using a uh, a, a pick in the first th- uh, three to four rounds on a running back. I have no confidence in Leonard Fournette not getting in trouble with the Jags. And to me, I'd even I'd almost rather uh, spend the draft pick on Melvin Gordon. And I hate Melvin Gordon. <laughs> it's like. Uh, for the reasons I've I've talked about in the past, Melvin Gordon's always at risk of getting hurt. <coughs> so it's just not worth uh, the valuation on some of these running backs, like Melvin Gordon, Derrick Henry, injury prone and very volatile in terms of production. I, you know, there are a ton of running backs I do not like this year, and you know they're going to be taken because people are going to look at positional need. But to me, if you can't get those running backs in the first couple of rounds, guess what? Start start punting down and start getting creative with uh, uh, bringing in the likes of a Duke Johnson uh, in the middle rounds, uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, those are the guys that I would start taking a, a closer look at. But, you know, there are too many guys that I think are – Busts in, in the running back range this year. Uh, Tariq Cohen. I'm going to end up drafting Tariq Cohen, but I have no illusions that he's going to be a great value. David Montgomery, also uh, running back on the Bears. Between Cohen and Montgomery, some one of them's going to be a bust. I don't know which one, but one of them's going to be a bust because Matt Nagy has his uh, designs on how he wants to run his offense, and usually it's spreading the ball around so that more often than not, everybody doesn't get fed. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, You know, when you're trying to uh, devise a draft strategy, you're trying to find guys who are consistently going to get volume throughout the season. And there are enough running backs this year that I have no idea where they're going to be one week to the next. You know, if uh, and James White is another example on the Patriots. I love James White. I don't love his valuation. If you're taking James White in the first sixty picks of of a fantasy draft, you're asking for trouble because again, the Pats spread the ball around enough, and unless you're Sony Michelle, none of those uh, other players are going to get uh, an, enough of those. Uh, Enough of those uh, breakdowns in terms of um, uh, uh, enough of those breakdowns in terms of evaluation uh, to be consistent enough. So I look at this as a case where at the end of the day, we have to be more balanced in terms of how we evaluate uh, targets throughout the year. And I don't think the industry does nearly an appropriate amount of uh, times. They always look at the upside. They don't look at the potential downside in terms of uh, attempts that guys uh, could be uh, facing. And the truth of the matter is 
there was a lot more risk in the running back position this year than there have been in years past. Timeshares are a very legitimate thing uh, uh, moving on there. And, you know, it's uh, it's very likely that uh, a number of these running backs are going to bust in a horrible way. And, you know, they're being drafted as if there's no bust potential. And there very much is. All right. Moving on. You know, I've talked about quarterback a couple of times, but I- I'm going to say it again. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, all the all these quarterbacks that are going in the third and fourth rounds, just stop. I've seen even Baker Mayfield pegged it in the fourth round. And just stop. Just stop, folks. You know, quarterbacks should not be drafted before round eight. <laughs> like, unless it's Patrick Mahomes, and even Mahomes, I only have on maybe, maybe you can justify it in a 12-team league uh, if he's uh, just after, uh, uh, after round four and you go into round five. The values that you get for quarterbacks are not significant enough to distance themselves away from other skill position players. So, you know, it's just not there. The value is not there uh, for the vast majority of these players. It's it's just not. So that's why, you know, I, I say this again. Wait on the quarterbacks. Wait on the tight ends. Because, again, the, like outside of the top two, it's a hodgepodge of same valuations, but very different uh, average uh, draft projections. And the later you can go with that, the better off you'll be because you'll have more skilled position players that can make a difference for your rosters. All right, so one other guy that I'm going to throw out there. Well, two guys. One being Josh Gordon, still being taken way too early. I know what Josh Gordon's talent level is. I know the New England Patriots are not going to make the same mistake this year again that they did last year with giving uh, Josh Gordon open arms, uh, being involved in the offense, knowing that Josh Gordon, you know, has a very legitimate substance abuse problem. Uh, you know, yes, they will have Josh Gordon in the mix at some point in the year. I don't think they're going to rush things either. I think they could put him on the pup list uh, while they sort through if he can consistently be clean and sober and have him available for the stretch run. I don't think they're going to risk putting him on to start the year too early because they saw how that played out last year by rushing him through things. You know, I think Josh Gordon is just one of those guys that you got to treat him with kid gloves and just wrap them in, in bubble wrap if possible, uh, just because of like how powerful substance addiction can be. Uh, I, I just don't think they're going to rush him into the mix, but the fact that he's still being drafted in the first five rounds of fantasy drafts, I just think, I just think it's a waste of a pick. I really do folks. That's just the way I look at it. The other guy who's being drafted way too early, cream hunt. Cream Hunt suspended for the 10, first 10 weeks of the season. You have no idea how your team is uh, is going to be performing. Uh, I I said I said first um, I said first 10 weeks. Uh, 
basically, uh, you know, he's suspended the first uh, eight game. He's suspended the first eight games of the year. So l- let me phrase that. So when I say the first ten weeks of the year, uh, he's suspended the first eight games of the season. The Browns have a bye in week seven. That doesn't count uh, in terms of the suspension. So you, so you add on another week. So the earliest that you'll know uh, how he's practicing and being used with the team and, and being able uh, to be used is week 10. Other than that, you're guessing. So you're waiting 10. Uh, so you got to get through uh, nine weeks of the season with no injuries, no you know, no disruption, no underperforming players with a player who's not going to be on your, uh, not going to be able to be used on your roster. And you can't put him in on the ILS either, like an injury list. He's suspended, not injured. So that's, that's a lot to ask. Uh, you know, you're playing with fire when you're drafting a guy like Kareem Hunt. No, 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 no pun intended given all the firestorm and everything else that was going on with him that led to that suspension in the first place. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good idea. Uh, another guy that again, people are drafting way too early. Darius guys to the Redskins. Um, you know, he tore his ACL still hasn't been cleared yet to practice. Um, you know, and you know he had to have three surgeries on that ACL. Usually, it takes a while to to recover from uh, ACL. It usually, takes a full year, uh, and then uh, and then some. Uh, so you, it ends up being more like a year and a half getting back up to speed. The Redskins still have Adrian Peterson in the backfield and uh, Chris Thompson uh, as the pass catching back. So. I don't see a whole lot of value uh, being added to Geis, and Geis is being drafted in the sixth and seventh round. You know, again, these are guys that you know. I think still being way too optimistic in terms of draft status. So, you know, I'll leave it there. But you know, it's it it is uh, it is what it is. Uh, too many uh, too many times again, as I said. It's folks trying to draft off a potential upside without taking any consideration as to what the downside is going to be in drafts. Now, on the side of uh, potential sleepers to keep in mind, uh, you know, here are a couple of guys that I think you should be uh, should be paying attention to. James Washington of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be the number two for the Steelers this year. Whether he can actually bring that value is no is another question. But I think that you know I've seen James Washington almost go uh, the entire draft without being picked. He's being picked uh, after round uh, eleven in most drafts, and I think in PPR formats, yeah, it, 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 he should be drafted a lot earlier. Half PPR, yeah, you can wait until round eleven. But in full point PPR, should be going earlier. Uh, you know, Steelers' offense is still too good uh, from a scheme standpoint. If he even comes close to the talent level that he has, he's going to put up uh, decent numbers. And you know, Dante uh, Moncrief was signed in the offseason uh, to be the number two. But as Moncrief has shown over the years, 
he is more than likely to get hurt before week six. So uh, I think Washington is there uh, uh, from a production standpoint and someone to keep an eye out for. Another uh, guy to take a look at is Devin Singletary, the running back of the Buffalo Bills. LaShawn McCoy is either set to be cut or traded by the Bills at some point this year. Uh, it will most likely be a trade, but you know, sooner or later, it's going to be Devin Singletary's backfield. It's just a matter of what the time he's going to be. Uh, on the back end of drafts, uh, you know, I like Devin Singletary. Another running back would be Justice Hill of the Baltimore uh, Ravens. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram, as I said, he's not really that good. <laughs> it's like, I'll be honest. And in each of the past three seasons, the lead running back for the Ravens uh, uh, at the start of the season lost their job before the end of the season. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram's not going to have missed contact. He's, you know, it's a very tough division. I think he, uh, Ingram's more likely to get banged up uh, throughout the uh, course of the year. I think Justice Hill is a perfect stash play uh, waiting for Mark Ingram to fail. So I like uh, Justice Hill quite a bit, as uh, along with uh, Singletary. Uh, Justice Hill, to me, uh, proje- uh, projects uh, very similarly to Philip Lindsay, who did great work for uh, the Broncos last year. Uh, you know, again, I think... You can uh, you can see a difference between how Hill runs with the football and Ingram runs with the football. And if Baltimore gets off to a slow start this year, I think it'll be a lot more clamoring for Justice Hill to get more carries uh, throughout the course of the year. And worst case scenario, I think with his pass catching abilities, he'll be able to uh, forge a little Tariq uh, Cohen type of role. Uh, for the Ravens uh, to start the year just so uh, he gets onto the field. So I think those are potential sleeper uh, candidates uh, uh, to keep keep an eye out for. Now, another guy, and I can't believe I'm calling him a sleeper, but you know what? He's fallen so far off the depth charts that when I say punt the tight end position, I say it for this reason. Jimmy Graham is being taken after round 11 in most fantasy drafts. Jimmy Graham has the athleticism to uh, pay dividends. So why am I reaching for Hunter Henry in round six when I can get someone just as athletic as Hunter Henry in round 11 and 12 with Jimmy Graham? With a better uh, quarterback, by the way. I I, I don't understand how the tight ends are being ranked this year. I think too many uh, too many people are being way uh, way too optimistic about some of the tight end production this year. When you got guys like Olsen and Jimmy Graham uh, being that much later uh, in terms of a- average draft position, it doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, yeah, I'm going to call Jimmy Graham a sleeper this year. Uh, sue me, uh, but that's the way I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of. of of uh, the sleepers, but you know, in terms of the bus potential, there are a lot of players uh, to be wary of this year. So just because of the average draft position, you know, don't be fooled by average draft position. Think about the, the reality situation of some of these uh, uh, 
teams that you're drafting for and think about the realistic possibility of can this guy return the value that's being talked about here? I think in a lot of cases, if you if you take that second guess of questioning the the, the draft value, you you might actually realize, yeah, it it, it is a lot of uh, hype that's being surrounded on certain players that I just don't think can be met. Uh, well, that's gonna do it for the show. Uh, I'll get into more of my detailed rankings as we get closer to Labor Day. Uh, but uh, that's going to be all for now. But uh, have a good one, folks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.